All righty, everybody. Guru and the Wiz are here again. Uh, we're doing a little, little late night for us um, podcasting here as we are continuing our efforts to go through each and every team. Trying to get that done by August 1. Wiz, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. Doing, uh, doing well. We've seen some uh, uh, interesting developments and uh, getting closer and uh, Hopefully, the NFL will keep marching forward, and uh, and we will have a league. I know that our league <clears throat> is going to have a team uh, league meeting pretty soon, and we're going to go over, uh, you know, how we're going to handle uh, any situation that may come up and arise, and, uh, and I, hopefully, all the leagues will be doing the same, preparing, <clears throat> and uh, and uh, yeah, it's good to just keep uh, keep going on with the team capsules, and I think we got the. Uh, Saints and your Giants today. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, and just just real quick on the development. So I, I don't know if this spells the end of preseason uh, for the NFL going forward, but th- there'll be no, pre- no preseason games. Um, I do feel bad for a lot of these uh, undrafted free agent types and uh, some of the guys that were on the border of uh, making making the team because the NFL also announced that they're all, you know, going to restrict it to uh, 80 players as opposed to 90 players starting a camp. So so those are the developments, and they've hired uh, a, a private lab to handle all the testing that the NFL will be doing uh, over the course of the season. So as you said, yep, they are moving forward. But um, certainly there are some implications, and I think – one of the things that you and I have touched upon frequently in these in these podcasts, and I think becomes even more evident now, because from what I understand, practices won't even start for about three weeks or so, but it, it's going to be a real challenge for rookies this year. And I think it just makes the case for, and it could mean some veterans getting signed out there as well that are currently free agents. But I, I, we've, we've spoken about the point before, but I think that the rookie veteran story, um, I think, remains one of the more interesting uh, discussions and debates when it comes to decisions that are going to be made ar- around uh, around players in, uh, in the upcoming season. Absolutely. So uh, <clears throat> let's get right to it here. Uh, the Saints, I think, are one of the teams that are not going to be bothered too much by this odd occurrence that has taken place here uh, over these last uh, several months. And uh, they have a cohesive unit, the same guys coming back. They played together for years. The nucleus is intact. And uh, it's definitely an interesting quarterback room with Drew Brees, <clears throat> Taysom Hill, who's going to do a little bit of everything. And they have Jameis Winston in there as well. And uh, so give us thoughts on on, on – and I guess your fantasy outlook for Breeze, um, you have him in the top 10, outside of the top 10, <clears throat> and the value of a guy like Taysom Hill in, in regards to fantasy. All right, so let, let's start Let's start uh, off the top. So, you know, this was a team that lost Drew Breeze last year to an injury, had the benefit of falling back on Teddy Bridgewater, who went undefeated for, for them, and and that worked out very well. And, you know, Seamus Winston walks in, uh, albeit him and his 30 interceptions, but um, he also has over 5,000 yards. So a capable backup. Um, I think it looks like, by from all accounts, that this potentially is going to be Drew Brees' last season as an NFL starting quarterback, which, which is a pretty big deal when you consider the precision in, in this passing game uh, and the lack of turnovers in it. So, uh, you know, I, I probably 
you know, I, I think some people will probably skirt with Drew Brees being just outside the top 10, but it's hard for me to move him out of there. He went through a lot in this offseason, but, you know, I, I still think he's a top 10 guy. It's, it's a great offense. Um, you know, there'll be times where you see Taysom Hill running in there and, and doing his thing. And I think he's a standalone, by, uh, in, in the case of Taysom Hill, he is a standalone value, especially in PPR leagues um, and deeper roster leagues as a player himself. But um, but I probably have Breeze just inside the top the top 12, um, you know, a guy that probably won't cost as much as he normally does. Uh, I think he'll fall down a little bit in his value. But, you know, this is still uh, an elite quarterback as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think Drew Brees uh, is one of these guys that people just kind of take for granted in the fantasy community, but he is rock solid. They have very good skill players um, around them. But you know, I, I want to ask you know what your thoughts are on Taysom Hill in 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 regards to the fact that the Saints really are not a deep team. If you look at their wide receiving core, I, I don't think they're really confident after Thomas and Sanders. Um, I don't necessarily think they have much depth after the first two running backs, Kamara and Davies Murray. You know, they signed Ty Montgomery to, I guess, be that running back wide receiver role. But agree with me on this. If there was a, a significant injury to one of the key Saint position, you know, skill guys, Taysom Hill could really offer some value if he got a chance to get in there. Yeah, no question about it. And first off, he had six receiving touchdowns last year. So he almost acted like a pseudo second tight end, at times a fullback, at times a running back. He's jack of all trades, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think the player has value on his own. For sure, he should be drafted in almost every league. Um, so you, you would not be against drafting him, even you know, at the start of the season, uh, just a kind of a wait and see approach. I would definitely not. No. I, I, and I, before I move on to the running backs, just I guess this is just a hypothetical, but in the event that something were to happen to Drew Brees, like like similar happened last year, or an odd injury, would in your view would it be Winston or Hill in there? I think that's going to be dependent on how things, how quickly Jameis Winston picks up the system. Uh, and, and, and how the practices go. I mean, they don't have scrimmages, but, you know, obviously Peyton will be watching closely. I think we'll, it'll actually be a, a competition to see who looks better. Um, I, I'd say one thing on the Taysom Hill thing, and we'll talk about it when we get to the tight end, but I think, I think adding players like Ty Montgomery and drafting guys like Troutman, you, you know, potentially hurt Taysom Hill as a receiver. But as you mentioned, the receiving core, when your third guy in the receiving core is Traquan Smith, and there's really not a lot behind that. Um, I think it lends itself to a situation where, you know, Hill is an effective weapon. And we know what he did to your Vikings in that playoff game. This guy was... Uh, yeah, this, this, I'm not sure Ty Montgomery is going to get in the way of what's going to happen with Taysom Hill. Um, you know, Troutman's a different, a different story, a different position. But, yeah, I mean, you know... Taysom Hill is a really good player and a tr- terrific athlete, and uh, yeah, just uh, just you know, keep an eye on that on that same depth chart and see if there are any significant injuries. And um, moving on to injuries of players, it didn't seem that Alvin Kamara could get off um, 
to you know to the to the type of footing that he was able to the the years before. It seemed like he missed time. It seemed like when he was playing, he was kind of playing through injuries. So let's all put a big X to that, and we're talking about the 2020 season. Um, do you have Kamara? After, like, Elliot and Barkley, do you have him before those guys? Is it kind of flip a coin? If all things are equal and everyone's healthy, do you view Kamara as the next guy you could draft after Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, for me, it would be a, your choice between him or Dalvin Cook. That's, that, that's, that's the decision that you're going to have to make after that. What do you, you, wait a minute. So you're saying Elliot and Barkley – Ahead and then and then it's either Cook or Kamara. Or yep. Were you saying Kamara's yep. a Cook a second and third? Uh, no, no. I I I would say McCaffrey, Barkley, and Elliott are your first three, and then okay, you choose. Okay, yeah. So in between. Okay, and and so you're saying uh, after those two guys, you're you're choosing between Cook and and Kamara. So I know you love the player. Um, he was just not himself last year. Do you envision a big bounce back year where he goes to elite status again? Yeah, look, he's got to stay healthy. He's in a contract. You know, he's working on a contract year, right? So, you know, health is a big factor. And, and he was not healthy for a majority of the season last year. And it really took him back. And unfortunately, they, they have an outstanding backup to, a backup to lean on. But, yeah, no, I, I envision him bouncing back this year. Do you, um, are, you, are you concerned, or should uh, Alvin Kamara's owners, if they draft him, should they be concerned about Latavius Murray vulturing some goal line touchdowns? Um, it's certainly not a situation when they get down to the two yard line that they take Kamara out. I mean, not at all. So, is, is Murray being there at all? Something that you should consider about consider if you're thinking about drafting Kamara. And the only thing I'd be doing is, is is knowing that if you can lock that backfield up because Murray's value is very very high, should, should Kamara go down? But I'm not worried about the vulture of touchdowns at all. You know, Murray's going to get his. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. I think he's one of the top three or four backups in the league, actually. I think Murray, do you agree that Murray has value on his own? And, like, if you draft Kamara and you want that backfield, you can't wait until, like, picks 14 or 15. I mean, Murray is going to be taken. So I guess the question is, if you're sitting in a snake draft and you take Kamara in round one, what round do you kind of think about taking Murray in? Yeah, I think think a guy like Murray's probably got to be looked at somewhere between, like, nine rounds, nine and 11. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think maybe even earlier than that. It could be um, earlier. It could be earlier. Yep. Yeah, Montgomery. Do you think you know he, he's going to be a factor? I mean, it seems that once upon a time he was going to be the starting running back for the Packers, and and he was well thought of. I mean, n- any considerations of that signing, or it's just nothing to you? No, I think it's not. We haven't seen enough in the last couple of years to really worry about it. Um, moving on to the wide receiver position. Um, I'll tell you, you know, for as long as I can remember, there was a real, real debate about who the number one wide receiver should be taken in drafts and which wide receiver will go for the most money. And, you know, you had Julio Jones and Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. And, and well, you know, in the years, it's been very, very close, and people have different views. But right now, I think if you asked a 1,000 guys who – 
you know, consider themselves knowledgeable in fantasy football. I think a thousand out of a thousand would say Mike Thomas is the number one fantasy wide receiver, rightfully so. He's even so well thought of that in these snake drafts. I've seen him go right in the midst of that Elliott, Barkley, Kamara, Cook grouping. Um, Number one, do you also agree that he's clearly the number one guy with that rapport that he has with Drew Brees and some of the numbers are just astonishing? And number two is, um, you know, would you consider him being taken with an early first-round pick? Uh, no, no question on the latter. On the latter point, um, you know, I think Mike Thomas is one of the top players in, in all of fantasy. So I would not uh, question someone that drafted him somewhere between, you know, number four and number eight, because um, that's where he's going to go. Um, as you mentioned, this is a player that does not drop the football. Incredible. Uh, I think Drew Brees' completion percentage uh, is over 85% when it goes to Mike Thomas, which is just incredible. I'd say the one thing that astonished me when I was looking at Mike Thomas, he seems to have a little bit of a hurdle when it comes to getting double-digit touchdowns. He's never done that. He's, done, he's had nine touchdowns three different times, but he's never broken the 10 level. But last year, he just took it to a new level, broke Marvin Harrison's record, 149 catches. I mean, 1,700 yards. Just the most consistent guy that you can get on a week-to-week basis. He had 1,000 yard games last year. So, you know, it's just a tremendous, tremendous player. And, yeah, I, I, would, I, would not, I would not be shocked to see him go in the top five picks exactly. Yeah, I mean, as far as his touchdown total, I would attribute that to two things. Not really anything to do with Mike Thomas. He He's unbelievable. Number one is Drew Brees' ability to read defenses and get the ball quickly to the right player inside that red zone is unbelievable. He's probably as good as any quarterback I've ever seen do it. So I think teams may try and take away Thomas, and he, he has no problem getting the ball to another player when they're open. And the other thing is Taysom Hill. When you get down there, they want to figure out a way to have him run it, receive it, throw it, all of it. So I think a combination of those two things, yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, um, it would be wonderful if you own Mike Thomas and he got all those yards and all those catches and then added like 12, 13 touchdowns with it. But I think it's due to Breeze knowing where to go with the ball and, and Taysom Hill being so devastating uh, around the goal line. Yeah, there's a lot of options there. And it's interesting that they brought, you know, Manuel Sanders is 33. So I'm, I'm curious for you, uh, you know, he, he was he spent time with two teams last year, um, the Broncos, and ended up the season uh, with the NFC champion 49ers. Um, what's, what's kind of your take on, on, I mean, certainly I don't think they've had a combination like these two, uh, you know, the pedigree of a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Um, uh, granted, he's, he's passed his prime, but he still had almost 900 yards receiving and five touchdowns. Uh, do you think it's a big boost for this offense? I do. I mean, I, I look at the, the receivers that they've had and, the Traquan Smiths of the world and the Ted Ginns, and they've not had a number, clear-cut number two <clears throat> a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who with his route running and Drew Brees' ability to get him the ball um, will, will be a good complement to Mike Thomas. Of course, you know, you got to remember when you have Taysom Hill running those type of, you know, plays and you have Mike Thomas and you have Alvin Kamara, there's a little bit down the pecking order to get the Sanders, but he's certainly going to help the Saints and Drew Brees in um, 
and be and be solid. I mean, you know, I'm not sure. I'd have to take a look at like receivers. 15 to 40 and, and, and see where I'd place him, but he's somewhere in that mix being part of that offense. And uh, I don't know, I, Traquan Smith is just one of these guys that uh, every now and again he'll appear with a big game, but I don't know, I, it, that's my view. I think he'll be helpful to the Saints and Drew Brees and be rock solid. Do you have a, a similar opinion on Sanders? Uh, I, I do, and and, and, the, and the fact that there's really not, you know, especially this year, there's not a lot else to talk about. I mean, there are really a bunch of no-names behind the three players that we've mentioned, and, and Smith is extremely inconsistent, but behind those three players, there is next to nothing, um, and, and the team probably will be looking, you know, it's interesting, because of their personnel situation last year, I, I was actually pretty shocked that the, the Saints, because historically we know them as kind of a wide open offense, but they only ran three wide receiver sets about 53% of the time, which is which is pretty low when you think about the Saints and, and in the context of most NFL teams. And, you know, that'll lead us into the tight end position, which which got a little bit more interesting post the draft. Uh, I, I know you had very strong opinions on, on, on Jared Cook Um last year in terms of what he was as a fantasy player and, and, and really what you were dependent on. Um, but Adam Troutman is, is, is brought onto this team uh, out of Dayton. Um, you know, a, a, an interesting, interesting choice here. And do you think this is a team that will be utilizing, you know, sets where you sometimes have, you know, Hill, Hill Troutman and, and Cook on the field uh, simultaneously? Yeah, I, I think, I think people are going to look at Cook's stats from last year and his total fantasy numbers and his rankings and kind of be misled. Anytime you have a a player with touchdown-dependent numbers where that's where his fantasy points came from, it's just very difficult to duplicate that. It's unrealistic, and it's not likely to happen. Um, You know, I just just remembered something. You know who loves Jared Cook? Steph. Steph loves Jared Cook. Yeah, uh, he's probably going to wrap up Cook and and, and Trey Burton again, and, and probably <laughs> wrap, up, wrap up last place again too. But um, so so yeah. So anytime you have a touchdown dependent numbers like Cook, it's it's tough to duplicate. You know, I always like to look at intent on draft day. And there's a lot of good offensive minds in the NFL. There's a lot of great offense. You know, I guess not a lot of great, but there's some great offensive minds. I know people when they think, you know, the boy Wonder and Sean McVay. But to me, Andy Reid and Sean Payton are just at a different level than anybody else when it comes to offensive football. Their, their, their offensive scheming is just, it's just better than anybody else's. It's, it can't be matched. They, their level of sophistication with their schemes is better than any other coaches. And when Sean McVay has intent, like Andy Reid has intent, it always perks me up for the upcoming fantasy football season. And the Saints, with only a precious few picks, made trades to move down to get Adam Troutman from Dayton. And combined with the fact that Drew Brees is really, this could be his last year, maybe another year. He's kind of said this is going to be his last year. You know, when I see intent like that, it's to get Troutman in in there this year. I'm keeping my eye on Troutman. Um, He's not necessarily a tight end that I would have as my tight end one, but in the league where you have some flexibility and you can draft two tight ends, he is certainly 
a tight end that's in this group of, of many tight ends to keep an eye on. And if he got the playing time, if something was to happen to Cook, or if they were going to play with 12 personnel a lot, which they may, or if he just started playing better than Cook and, 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 and started his playing time was more than Cook, I would definitely watch and keep an eye on the waiver wire for, for Adam Troutman. I think he's interesting. I'm watching the intent of Sean Payton, and he must see something that is special in that young man. And, I, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on, on Troutman. I think he's one of the most interesting young players in this draft. Yeah, that's a that's a excellent excellent and astute points. So let's let's move on to this uh, kicking and defense story. So um, Will Lutz, uh, another Steph favorite. Um, but that that being said, Will Lutz is a is, is as consistent a leg as we have. Still, in your eyes, uh, automatic top three to five kicker. Anytime you have a kicker with the following things going for him, one, <clears throat> they're on a, a very that's one of the top offenses in football. Check that box. Two, the coach has confidence in the kicker. Check that box. Three, he's proven to make them from long distances. That's the triple, you know, that, that's the trifecta right there. So absolutely, I'm not, a, I'm not a guru of kickers like you. You know, we really break it down and study. But any, 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 there's no question about it that he'd be one of the top, you know, three kickers, uh, you know, a handful of kickers for sure, three to five. Uh, if someone made it, you know, like a statement or debated me and said he's the number one kicker, I, I wouldn't really dispute that. So talk to me about your view on Lutz and also that Saints defense who seems to be an okay defense on paper, but when they play at home and they get a lead on you, that's when they accumulate sacks, interceptions, fumble recoveries. So talk about that and talk about how that's going to be without crowd, you know, attendance, and that home field advantage is going to be somewhat not there this year. Yeah, so so Lutz also gets the advantage of kicking indoors uh, as well, and and he out, actually gets a game as well. Um, you know, he get he's usually going to play in warm temperatures down in Tampa, and he'll play in the dome in Atlanta. So all kinds of reasons to like him. So yeah, top three to five, no question in my eyes. And 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 the defense, uh, which I had in a couple of leagues last year, and and actually definitely won a few games for me. But as you mentioned, without that crowd there, because this is a really hard place to play in one of the one of the noisiest buildings in the league uh, I, you know i i see them ranked in the top 10 and actually i see them as high as uh you know a top six you know top five six something like that but they they could regress a little bit because they're not playing with that boisterous louisiana superdome or actually the mercedes dome uh, but that that won't be in place there, so it will be interesting to see how this team navigates it. I mean, certainly they're usually in in a lot of high offensive games anyway, uh, because of the way they, you know the division that they're in and the teams that they play against. But I I could see a defense that takes a slight step back as a result of that crowd noise uh, not being there. I haven't seen plans for them to be piping that noise in, so I and, and unless that's the case, I don't know. Yep, yep. So yeah, I think. Uh... Anytime you have a defense and they can get after the quarterback and they, they're, they, they're going to be in control of a decent amount of games and have the lead, certainly you want to consider them. Certainly, I guess you'd put them as uh, you know, in the top 12, would you not, as far as defenses to draft? Yeah, still a top 12 defense. Yeah, absolutely still a top 12 uh, defense. Excellent stuff. So I guess we are on to your 
beloved New York football giants. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, Wiz. This was uh, another fun episode, and we will, uh, we will get with the Giants in a little bit. Thanks again. You too.